welcome to another episode of the Gen Z Investor. I am your host, Ben Trombley, and today we are going to talk about bear markets and cyclical rotation. I feel that this is a very prudent time to talk about bear markets and the change in the economic system as 2022 has been a bit of a change in what we have seen in the past decade or so in this massive bull run. And really something we haven't seen since the 2008 financial crisis, even though we may have had a bull market in 2020 due to COVID, in the markets it was very it was a very, very short-lived event that from the peak to the bottom lasted only about a month. And then we just went right back to the typical uptrending bull market type of environment that most investors have really gotten used to over the last 10 years, especially those that are newer investors and haven't seen anything other than bull markets and uh, rising stock prices. So what we're going to go over is just going to cover, again, bear markets and how the sectors other financial instruments such as gold, the US dollar, and bonds, how they typically react and what they do in bear markets, as well as what a bear market is and how they are distinguishable from market corrections. Uh, and with the change in volatility, how that plays into investors' emotions and overall their portfolio returns. So without further ado, let's dive into the episode. So first, let's dive into the history of what a bear market is. So a bear market is defined as a sustained period of selling with prices dropping over 20% from their highs. And 20% is really an arbitrary number. It is not a technical definition by any means, but most accept that a drop in the major indexes like the S&P 500 and the Dow and the NASDAQ, if it drops under or over 20%, that that constitutes us in a bear market. However, like I said, just because a market drops 20%, it does not mean the markets are in bear territory as the sustained, sustained selling piece must really be a part of the bear market. Take for example, our recent bear markets, which has been in 2020, was the prior one before 2022, and before that was in 2008. The bear market in 2022 only lasted from peak to trough, which is the bottom. It took it about a month and a half to drop over 20%, dropped about 30-35% in a month and a half. And the bear market was done with, it was over, and we are going back up to the highs, and all was well and good. Now, that was technically a bear market, uh, just because it was a, a massive drop, and it was somewhat sustained. However, in my own definitions, I really wouldn't count it as a bear market. I would count it kind of as neither a correction or a bearish market, because it was a black swan event, which a black swan event means that something came out of left field. Nobody knew this was coming. Nobody had the slightest idea 
the type of impact that COVID would have. And so it was really just completely out of left field and completely rattled the markets. So just for that reasoning and, you know, that 2020 didn't have the sustained selling, you know, six months a year, I wouldn't classify myself as a bear market. However, there are those that do. Um, so bear markets, they really vary in their length and their severity. Uh, if you take, for example, in the 2000.com bubble burst, the U.S. markets dropped over 50%, where, again, as in 2020, the markets dropped around the low 30% area. So they can range from their severity and also in their time frame. So going back to the prior example, in the 2000.com bubble burst from the high of the S&P and the NASDAQ to the final low when we started, you know, from where we started uptrending again, it took us about a year and a half. And in 2020, it only took us a month and a half. And in 2008, it took us, say, about a year, maybe a little less than about a year. So it can vary widely on how long it takes as well, but typically I would say they're probably at least around six months long. For an actual sustained selling bear market, it's probably going to be about at least six months. So let's talk a little bit about the difference between a correction and a bear market. So a correction is typically a fast drop in market prices. Uh, varying from usually 10 to 20 percent. By fast, this could be a few weeks, it could be a few days, it could be a month. Examples include uh, in 2018 and 2019, we had these sort of more so flash crashes uh, where we dropped, you know, 10 percent or a little more in the matter of a few days or a week. And so I wanted to go over to where we are at currently in a bear market. So we are in one right now, and we peaked out at our most recent highs on the major U.S. indexes in December of 2021 and have been downtrending for eight months now as of this recording on September 4th. Uh, so we've been downtrending for eight months, which means stati statistically we should be nearing the end of the downtrend sooner rather than later just because the average bear market is really typically around a year long. We're already almost to that year mark, and we are down at the lows. The Nasdaq, I think, was down about 35%. So we are getting, I feel, close to the bottom. However, I do not think that it is over yet, especially with seasonally weak periods upcoming, uh, which is September and October. And, you know, typically the seasonality patterns is September and October are the worst performing months of the year. And I would not be surprised at all. I'm actually anticipating a more so final flush out over the coming months to end this year. Now, December, we usually get a Santa Claus rally for the U.S. markets. However, I don't know about that this year, but I do think that we will have a kind of final flush out bottom in the next four months or so. And it's not a guaranteed thing, nothing's guaranteed, but it's a bit of a bold statement, but I do think that we will get that final move down and the bottom 
at least, you know, either if it's not by the end of the year, it'll be within the first couple of months of the uh, the new year, 2023. <clears throat> so let's get into talking a little bit more about the sector rotation. As I'm sure some of you have heard about, you know, in different economic cycles like early recession, late recession, early uh, economic growth, and later stage uh, economic growth, how different sectors will vary in their performance during that time. So first, it's important to note that the stock market leads the economy by about six months or so, as the stock market is a forward-looking mechanism. So say you have a report like this last uh, August, we had the second quarter in a row of negative GDP, and the stock prices really didn't react a whole lot from that because it was already mostly priced in. It didn't really matter as you know the stock market looks ahead about six months of what the economics currently say. That all that data was basically already priced in. So with that out of the way, let's talk about what typically performs better in different market environments. And in bull markets, if there's you know a strong outlook, specifically the earlier stage of bull markets, sectors like technology and real estate tend to form, perform the best. They tend to outperform a little bit. Uh, you know those industries with more sensitivity to interest rates and growth companies will benefit most, especially in early bull markets. Uh, in full strength bull markets, most sectors are going to be performing very well, with uh, the laggers likely being the more defensive sectors such as consumer staples. Utilities, as since the economy is strong, there really is no need to go into those more safer sectors. And really, in a strong bull market, I wouldn't say that it's best to be in one sector over another just because everything's going to be performing well. And so, I wouldn't really put all your eggs in one basket on which sector is going to do the best. They're all going to be doing well, but like I said, the, the staples and the utilities are probably going to be lagging since they are historically lower volatility, lower return type of sectors. Um, but I would definitely be more so into the growth stocks, uh, the growth industries, since those are really the, the stocks that are going to do best in these bull markets. Uh, but once the economy starts to slow down and you know inflation starts to rise, it is right now. Uh, technology and those growth stocks I talked about, consumer uh, discretionary stocks start to really feel the impact and they suffer the most. A lot of tech stocks are down, you know, 60, 70, 80 uh, percent over the last eight months. Some of it is really, really nasty, especially those stocks that got a lot of uh, no interest or extremely low interest loans during COVID uh, and their stock prices ran up. 300%, 400%, some of them, those stocks are really, really getting hammered uh, at, for, you know, in 2022. So we will see how, how the rest of those kind of, you know, what they do for them the rest of the, the year, the next four months. But I believe that, you know, if those types of growth stocks, those tech stocks, and some communications as well, if those can rebound, those stocks that are down 70, 80%, if those can start to actually rebound, I believe that we can actually uh, potentially have a real bottom on our hands. But like I said, you know, the, the stock market is forward looking about six months. So this year, 
um, when we announced that the neg two negative uh, quarters of GDP in a row, you know, tech, consumer, and many of the other sectors that were hit harder were already down a lot. With the tech sectors, the Nasdaq being down more than the S and P five hundred, since it is very tech focused. And when the economy starts to slow, the markets see that looking into the future, and typically utilities, staples, and healthcare as well, during do the best during these times. Although I wouldn't say that they really give you that much for gains. They usually just kind of hang out. They might go down a little bit, but they won't go down as much as everything else. They might go up a little bit, but it's typically nothing that crazy. They usually just kind of sit there and they're more so you don't get a return, but you don't have the losses. And that's another thing too when it comes to uh, picking your sectors and everything, if, if that's the type of investment ideology you like to follow. Picking sectors based on economic data can be a successful strategy. It's just personally, you know, there's a lot of things that you're going to have to be monitoring. There's a lot of things you're going to have to be paying attention to. And even with this, you know, these other sectors that perform better in bearish markets or high inflationary environments, they don't really give you that good of a return. And if you really wanted to capitalize on bear markets, you would actually want to short a lot of these these stocks that were up through 400% once, you know, the economic data starts to come in or you want to go short in these sectors and really that's where you're going to get most of the returns in these type of bear markets. There's not much that is actually running strong to the upside. So I would just recommend that if you're a more active investor and active trader, uh, you could try acting like a uh, hedge fund and you could be shorting ETFs, you could be shorting stocks. Uh, otherwise, I would just more so move to a large position in cash and just not really do anything during these bear markets. They don't last that long, They're typically only a year or less. And so you're probably best off just waiting for the market to kind of, you know, be done, bottom out. And then once we start uh, officially uptrending again, then you could get back into a lot of those sectors that have really gotten hammered. And so the next thing that I wanted to talk about was the actual stock market cycles uh, and not the economic cycles. So the stock market itself can have uh, many cycles without there actually being an economic recession. Uh, typically stocks work in a similar manner to the economic cycles, but will happen more frequently and within a within a strong economic cycle. As you can see, you know, the last we had a bear market in 2008 and technically in, you know, 2020 from the Black Swan event of COVID, but during that 12-year span, there was times where the market would have big drawdowns, big corrections that didn't last a super long time or really drop that far down, but there still would they would have that ebb and flow type of uh, have its own type of cycles, even though the economy uh, was just kind of strong and continued to uh, to grow. So typically what works um, for stocks in watching those cycles is the Elliott Wave Theory. And I am a pretty big believer in Elliott Wave Theory. However, it's much easier looking back in hindsight to uh, kind of use it. It's much harder in in practice in live time to actually use 
but it's still a, a decent theory and it's it's basically you're trying to predict how just kind of the prices move as you know stocks move up and down up and down they don't move up in a straight line they don't move down in a straight line but what Elliott wave theory is all about is that in a bullish market there is basically five waves up and three waves down so the first wave is after a correction or a bear market and gets us above important moving averages typically maybe above the 100 period moving average we went below it or 50 um, you, it's kind of discretionary use based on what your time frame is and then the second uh, wave is usually a sharp and fast correction again a sharp pull down so say that we came down we corrected 15% the market rallied uh, say half of those gains back and we get another sharp drop back down and then the third and longest lasting and furthest running wave is wave three uh, which will typically just keep on running 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 for quite some time it varies again on the actual time frame but this more so this theory isn't really to try and predict exactly you know when it's going to drop and everything it just shows you the natural movement of the markets and so it shows that okay we get a we get a drawdown does a wave one we rally wave two we come back down wave three we make a nice run wave four we meander sideways or maybe pull back again and then wave five is when we get the big blow off top so it's big volume large candles it's typically the hallmark of wave five is when we finally see that you know that that explosive volume everyone just wants to get in and then we get that that kind of little crash or little uh, correction and retracement and then that starts the ABC pattern which is the A is the first initial drop in a correction the B is an attempted rally after that correction typically is less than half uh, the rally is less than half of the of the correction and then wave C is we go back down to those lows and potentially pierce them and then we start all over again with waves one through five and this again is not something that you may use to predict necessarily uh, it's just kind of gives you a little bit of the it just kind of tells you a little bit about the nature of stocks and how they move in the real market environment so if you guys want to learn more about Elliott wave theory you can just research it on Google um, it's very, it's a very cool thing to look at. Um, again, it's not extremely difficult uh, to kind of utilize, but there's different methods and timeframes you can use with it. And again, if you just Google it, you can find a ton of different websites that talk about Elliott Wave Theory. So now let's get into uh, the other financial instruments that I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, which is gold, US dollar, and bonds. So what does gold typically do with the stock market? Are they correlated? And how exactly do, does gold return during bear markets and bull markets? Well, gold and the stock market typically are inverse related. So this means that uh, gold is seen as more of a safe haven, like the defensive stocks and the utilities and healthcare stocks. So typically, uh, in bear markets, gold may not have as uh, big of a drawdown as the bear market does. However, it's not a perfect correlation, and especially as of recently, gold is not really seen 
uh, as much as an inflationary hedge or safe haven as much as it used to, uh, especially decades ago. Um, sometimes, you know, it still comes down regardless, as in this current bear market shows, gold is gold just still comes down um, regardless of what the, the equities market is doing. Uh, the U.S. dollar typically has a positive correlation to stocks, but again, it varies based on the sector. So companies that rely heavily on imports of materials to make their products will be hurt by a decrease in the dollar, which means they'll have to pay more for those goods. International stocks, on the other hand, will benefit from dropping the dollar because they can sell their goods for more money or buy from us, the U.S., for less. So they typically move, the U.S. dollar moves with the stock market. Bonds offering much lower returns than stocks, and again, sort of a safe haven during um, volatile and uh, uncertain times when the market is coming down more. Um, these typically will do a little better than stocks in bear markets. However, they don't always hold their value or increase in the bear markets. And even if they do, you're probably not looking at that much of gains. So what do I think about these other industries? Personally, I really ignore the safer sectors. Uh, and quotes around safer as they don't really provide any return but typically just fewer losses in a bear market that's my opinion and I could you know everyone has their own opinion on what they like to do with their investments but I really don't like going to those safer sectors because you're honestly better off just going short the sectors that are really going to get sold off hard and you know doing that instead of trying to buy into these sectors that might go up but realistically are probably just going to kind of sit and go nowhere when you could be making money to the downside and really that's what i want you know that's really what my mission here at the gen z investor is uh is to kind of showcase the different investment and trading strategies that many of you may have never heard of and you know like hedge funds uh, going long and short and using options and using a lot of ETFs versus investing in these different mutual funds if you put enough time into it and you educate yourself that you can actually get a much much better return than any mutual fund or just investing in these safer sectors during these this time really could give you but like I said earlier if you don't really want to spend a lot of time researching the markets and spend a lot of time understanding the economics and technicals of the investment world. I totally get that. And during these these periods of more volatility and downturn, you're probably again, you could invest into those safer sectors or preferably just sit in cash and don't have your money in a lot of these different sectors and kind of wait for the market to finally carve out a bottom. Wait for it to finally give that capitulation, that high volume, and give that bottoming signal. And again, if you're a longer term investor, it doesn't have to be a perfect entry. So the last thing that I want to talk about is volatility. So volatility in a bear versus a bull market, the difference is quite stark. 
bull markets have much lower volatility except for the brief uh, periods of corrections uh, when the market will drop 10% or so, 15%, it'll have brief periods of volatility, um, but well, bear markets typically have an overall elevated level. And so you can kind of, typically volatility is associated with prices moving down, as in the investing world and stock world, stocks move up a lot slower than they move down. So Typically, if a stock is moving down, as most stocks are in bear markets, you're just going to see them moving down faster, which is more volatile. Um, if you are trading or investing in these times, it's important to know that as you may, may let your investments or trades have some breathing room um, in a highly you know, volatile environment, that if you are long in anything, or you are short in anything, you probably just want to have a little bit wider collar on those positions just because with the higher volatility that just means the stocks or the ETFs and the markets just move around more and they're more likely to trigger any stops if you have them or just kind of fake you out in the direction a lot and so that's where you know kind of letting those trades breathe those those investments breathe a little bit and maybe more so using longer term moving averages or something like that just to kind of give yourself a little bit of breathing room so you don't make uh, a decision just based on the volatility of the markets. So the VIX is typically the most popular index for measuring volatility and so what the VIX is it's basically some people call it the fear gauge which it tracks actually how many put and call options are purchased in the market. So for those who are not familiar with how options work, they're essentially used in this context as a hedge against lower prices. So with a put uh, example, if you buy a put, uh, you are buying the right but not the obligation to sell short shares of a stock at a future date. And so if you're buying calls, you are buying the right, but not the obligation, to buy shares of stock at a future date. So for example, let's use the S&P 500 and say it's trading at $400 with the SPY ETF. If you bought the 380 strike, which is the dollar amount, 380 puts, for let's say October monthly expiration which is the third Friday in October you are buying the right but again not the obligation to sell short shares of stock on that date on the third Friday of October so basically how this works with puts is if the stock price is above that 380 mark by the third Friday of October, because that's the expiration that you chose, you your option contract will expire worthless. And you won't have any money. You paid a premium to buy it, and it's worthless. You lost a little bit of money. But if it's in the money, the price is under $380. For each contract that you buy, you short, you're automatically shorted. 100 shares at that price. 
So if the if the ETF is at $350 on that date, well, lucky you, you actually get short at $380, which puts you up about seven and a half percent on your position. Now these are primarily used as again as a hedge in a situation and with options you do not have to hold until expiration so what you can do is pay for a premium you buy the puts you pay a premium for them and so as the market comes down those puts are going to be worth more and more and more and you can typically just sell your puts for a higher premium before the expiration so you don't actually go short the the ETF or the stock that you're that you're trading on. So back to the VIX, when the VIX spikes, that means there are many, many people buying those puts as protection in their portfolios. Since their portfolios are net bullish, net long, if you buy a bunch of puts on different uh, ETFs and stocks that you currently hold, you're kind of hedging out the losses because again, those current holdings, stocks, ETFs that you have, if they go down, um, it's it hurts your overall position, but if you're buying puts, it benefits those puts, and so you make money on that. And when the VIX spikes, that means that there's a lot of people buying them as protection in their portfolio, and once there are enough investors hedged out, there will be no more forced liquidation um, from people who uh, have too much in a certain stock or ETF and they just their broker is telling them they have to get out um, and that's typically the, and that's what that means when the VIX spikes up to to 30 or to 40 that's typically the kind of fear area and that just shows that okay there's a lot of people hedged out here or forced out liquidated out of their long positions and so then we can finally put a bottom in and that's really when you can kind of tell when you're going to get some sort of real bottom is when the VIX spikes up into those higher ranges around 30, um, maybe higher. Um, typically, that is when you see kind of those bottoms get created. Um, if a, if a, the stock market is coming down, the indices are coming down, but the VIX isn't spiking, it's just kind of hanging around or moving up a little bit, it shows that people aren't properly situated for a fall in the markets. And so if we do start falling, people are going to start panicking, selling their positions, buying more puts, which just drives the price of the markets down. So a little bit, uh, a lot of information actually on the VIX and how it works uh, along as long as um, or as well as options and how the put and calls work but that can be talked about in a future episode on exactly how options work I personally trade options and they're a fantastic tool for trading and investing um, I absolutely love them but again that can be covered in an, another episode uh, so to wrap this up really what I just want to say is that you know in my personal opinion and again, take this for what you will. I'm not a professional by any means. But I would say that, you know, bear markets and when it comes to, you know, this kind of cyclical sector rotation, there are many people out there that like to kind of invest 
based on the macroeconomic indicators like uh, sector rotation or economic data and they like to buy certain stocks and certain industries and short others that makes sense economically and that's totally fine if that's something that you're very interested in um, there are plenty of really good uh, macroeconomic uh, people out there investors that are actually um, very successful with it you know Valeshire Capital is one of them um, I think that's Dr. Jeff Ross runs that um, he's you know brilliant guy I've listened to him several times and he's you know he's a brilliant guy and his his investing system makes complete sense um, to me I think it's just a little bit um, I'm just more of a technical type of investor and that's totally fine you know there's others that are more value oriented like Warren Buffett uh, there's people like Jeff Ross with that macroeconomic data driven for me I'm more technical and so when I see uh, certain sectors are starting to perform poorly and certain sectors are starting to perform well then I just follow those trends and that's just kind of how I'm built every person is going to be different um, but for me I would say you know with bear markets trade or do in bear markets what fits your personality because if you try to trade more technically invest more technically like I'm doing then you know and your personality calls for uh, you're more of a value investor and you're just more comfortable with that well you're not going to do very well with my system of investing and trading because you're just not built for it and that's perfectly fine that's perfectly okay every person has their own investing preferences and so that's kind of really what I want to leave you guys with is you know there is this is just covering some of the basics for bear markets, what sectors usually do, how the volatility looks and all this kind of stuff. But really it's gonna it's gonna come down to you guys with with what type of investment strategy you want to employ and you know what kind of rabbit hole you want to go down and, and research and learn more about. Really. It's all it all comes down to you. Um, and then the last and final thing I want to leave you guys with um, is that you do want to have some sort of understanding in what you're doing. So just because you hear someone talk about this is their investment strategy or you hear me talk about mine, uh, which I'll talk about in future episodes, uh, it doesn't mean that you should just hop on the bandwagon. Uh, you definitely want to kind of, you know, even if you don't know a whole lot about it, just try and research it means at least a little bit about what's going on just so you have at least somewhat of an idea of the type of strategy that you you are employing and that's just important because you know I feel like it is important for everyone to understand what they're doing and not you know try and jump in blind to anything and potentially uh, get harmed from that you know we are talking about money which is very important in this society um, so that is uh, that is all I have for you and um, yeah, we covered a lot today. We covered the the sector rotations, the volatility, uh, bear markets in general. And I will be back again next Wednesday. I release another episode. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be on yet, but it should be something interesting. So hopefully, hopefully it's something interesting to you. Um, but uh, that is everything for me. So if you guys like this episode. Um, 
please share it or uh, get it to someone who you think it could really benefit. That's all that really matters to me. Um, but I will see you guys on the next episode and have a great rest of your week.